this morning. Find your seat. So this morning we have a special speaker. Most everybody knows him. Um, I'm really excited to hear his message. Um, partially biased because he's my dad, but but other than that, I also know I have a good idea of what God's done in his life and. And from, from the outside looking in and watching what happened with him and, and just totally submitting his life to God was just one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. And it, he was at a point in his life where he was kind of at a fork in the road where he had a couple different directions he could have gone, both with his job and, uh, and, and, and where he was living. And, and, he, and he let God guide him. And he didn't have a lot at that time. Um, but I remember it was the most thankful I think I've ever seen him. Um, a few years ago when he was going through this. And it always reminds me of a verse, and uh, it's in First or Second Timothy, and he says, uh, having food and raiment, there, therewith be content. And, you know, just, just having food and clothing, that's all we need, and God will provide us with that, and we should be content with that, and anything on top of that is just a blessing. Um, and it was, it was, it's something I look back on, and, and no matter what, you know, how bad I, I might think my life might be getting or, or, or what might be happening. I just am so contented with the fact that, you know, God provides me with what I need on a daily basis with, with food and clothing and shelter. And then on top of that, all the abundant blessings he, he pours on me um, and all of us outside of just that. And we should just be so thankful for that. So this morning, um, Ted Weaver, it's really weird saying that, Dad is going to be delivering the message. Um, so everybody just listen. I know that... that that he's put a lot of time and prayer into this. You're going to hear a lot from Scripture, and you can definitely get something out of this. So just pay attention to, to, to the message this morning. Thank you, James Weaver, Pastor Pastor James. That's that's that, that still takes some getting used to, um, Pastor James. But uh, it's good to see Jacob Weaver on as a guest instrumentalist up here this morning, um, as well. But uh, you know. Thin crowd today, we kind of expected it, um, but what a good thing that uh, we've got, you know, 18 of our church members, you know, in another country ministering, the, the work that they've done, and I look forward to, I'd imagine probably next Sunday we'll get to hear testimonies and we'll uh, get feedback on what's been going on the last, you know, week or so that, that, that they've been over there, so we look we look forward to that, and it's certainly it's a privilege to be up and, and share the word this morning. This is a message that uh, that is for me as much as it is for anybody in attendance this morning. And you know, like I like to say when I do the announcements, which which Ray does such a good job with uh, in my absence. But um, you know, if you if you're here today, you're going to be glad you came to church on on Sunday. And if you're not here, you're going to be sorry you missed it. So. We're glad everybody's here this morning. It's a privilege, and like I said, I look forward to uh, to getting from the Word um, what I believe that um, that the Lord has for us here this morning. I have a text that I want us to read. Uh, it's a, it's a parable that we're all somewhat familiar with, but we're going to take a little different a different look at it today in a different context and dig a little deeper into it. This is in Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to read the first uh, 12 or 13 verses here. And it says, now these words in your Bible are in red, if you have a red letter edition, so this is Jesus talking. 
Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Let's pray over the reading of the word this morning. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the scriptures that we have, Lord. We thank you for the the ability of our minds to comprehend, Lord, and understand the words that you've given us in your holy Bible. Lord, we ask that you would be present with us this morning, Lord. Open our ears and our eyes and let us take from the word this morning, Lord, the meat of the word, not just milk, but the meat of the word into our spirits, Lord, and have that that you would want us to have to receive from the word this morning. And we ask it in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's a parable that we're familiar with, and we're looking at a group of ten virgins. They all had lamps. They were all anticipating His return. So, in effect, they were all religious or they were all churchgoers. They were all people. Five wise, five foolish. They're actually technically looking for the same bridegroom that we read about here that we're waiting and looking for. It's the same bridegroom in the parable that Jesus gives us here. It's a very simple but a very serious parable that Jesus spoke often with. Something very interesting about this, if we look at Matthew chapter 25 that we just read, I want you to keep this in mind throughout the message. In chapter 24, we're told in the Bible that the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked Him, when was His return going to be evident? And the the parable that we just read is sandwiched between two other parables, all in a private conversation. This is not a public teaching. This is Jesus speaking strictly to His disciples. The parable before this one, ends with, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The parable after this one ends with, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Privately to the group of disciples, sandwiched in between those two parables, He's telling us to watch, therefore. His first response when they come to Him in chapter 24 and ask Him, for a sign of when they would know when he was returning. His first sentence, his first response to that, in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 4, it says, 
Take heed that no one deceives you. He opened up the whole exposition of the parables that he's going to give with that statement. That take heed that no one deceives you. We are told to watch in the whole chapter. Jesus uses that word several times throughout those parables. Now it's easy to determine who's who in the parable and what's what. The virgins are obviously representing purity. Again, the church members. The bridegroom, we know, is Jesus. It's a very simple parable. The lamp. The lamp is our, is our Christian testimony that has the oil in it. We're told to, to let our lamp, let our light shine among men. The lamp is our Christian testimony. The oil, obviously, we know throughout Scripture that oil is representative of the Holy Spirit of being filled. We're told over and over to be filled with the Spirit in the Bible. It's not a one-time event. A baptism of the Holy Spirit 20 years ago isn't going to carry us through to June of 2019. We're told to continually to be filled with the Spirit. We read here in the parable ourselves that the lamps are burning low. There's a shortage of oil. The five foolish had no oil. They had just themselves. They were still pure and they had a lamp, but it was burning low. It's not enough just to know truth. They recognized their situation. The five foolish realized they didn't have oil. They first asked for oil, ended up having to go get some of their own. It's not enough just to know truth. We can know Scripture. And like I, if you were here in January when I spoke, this word is living. It's not just so that we know about God, it's so that we know God. He speaks to us through the Word. We can know Him through the Word. It's not enough just to know the truth. The foolish virgins knew the truth. But they weren't a new creation. They weren't continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Their lamps were burning low. And I think that as we look across, you would probably agree with me, as you look across the United States, especially in the modern church, we have a lot of people that attend church. We have a lot of church members. We have attendees. That's never the intention of Scripture was to just attend church. These five foolish virgins probably had a very good Sunday school attendance record. It's not enough. There's no rebirth, no regeneration, no filling of the Holy Spirit keeping the oil full. Many people come to church and just try to add Jesus to what they are. There's no regeneration. Any religion that you just practice where you go through motions or you go through rituals, but there's no change, isn't worth a whole lot. Jesus says, all things become new. We're a new creature. Verse 13, when he says watch, tells us to be vigilant. The challenge of the whole parable of the, of the ten virgins is the neglect of the five foolish virgins to maintain the oil in their lamps. Jesus is telling us that it's possible to be a church member and to not be prepared for His return. It's scary to think about. But that's what he's telling the disciples right there. It's possible to be the virgin is a symbol of purity. 
attending church, a church member, part of the same group, awaiting his return, not prepared. Watch, therefore. It's easy to get distracted and think substituting attending church or saying the right things or going maybe through the right motions is a substitute for having oil in the lamp. And it's not true. We're told here differently. In many respects, all ten virgins were the same. If we start at the beginning of the parable, they all looked the part. You couldn't tell the difference from looking at all ten of them, except for the lamps. They all took their lamps. They all went out to meet the bridegroom. They were all awaiting His return. They all trimmed their lamps at the call. Now there's three, three things that happened here in this parable. They went out to wait for the bridegroom. <clears throat> Then there was a call made, a cry at midnight, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. But there's still a time frame between the call at midnight, the cry at midnight, the behold, the bridegroom cometh, to when the bridegroom actually comes in and takes uh, part in the marriage ceremony. That was the time that the five foolish virgins recognized they were out of oil and went to buy. So they all trimmed their lamps. There was no difference until that point, until they realized that they were out of oil. Then their testimony becomes, our lamps are gone out. That's their testimony. Our lamps have gone out. Give us some of your oil. At that point, it's desperation. But their, their spoken testimony at that point, our lamps are gone out. They could still tell you, as as I can tell you, that in November of 2017, the Lord called me into a deeper relationship with Him like I couldn't even imagine was possible. But that was a year and a half ago, two years ago. We can't ride on that still this today. The lamps are gone out, the five foolish virgins said. So at one point, the lamps were full. At the beginning of the parable, when all ten of them went out, they were probably on an even playing field except the five wise virgins planned ahead with extra oil. They didn't know how long they would have to wait. Things can come in and distract you. Your job, your marriage. We're told in the Bible, if if any man loves lands, wives, children, husbands more than me, he's not worthy of me. He needs to be number one. If we love Him more than anything else, it will allow us to love our family and our spouses and our children more than we ever could have if we put them first. Was there a time when we would sing songs like we sang this morning, inviting the Holy Spirit in? Or we sing songs about the crucifixion, the old hymns, where it would bring a tear to our eye. Is our heart still stirred? when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about the sacrifice, do we become numb to what happened to us, to what He did for us, to the realization that we had from the time we were saved until now? I think you'd agree with me, we can talk to somebody usually for just a short time. I get to meet a lot of people in my profession. And in 10 or 15 minutes of talking to somebody, you can really 
tell what they're about. It doesn't take long. You don't have to spend a whole lot of time with them, especially if it's just open, general conversation. Though whatever is inside of them comes out when you're just talking with somebody about not a specific subject and just, just chewing the fat with each other, so to speak. In a short time, you can tell what they're about. Was there a time when we used to talk about Jesus and our testimony more? Is it taking a back seat to other things? Have other things come in and clouded that and pushed it back? There's an ebb and flow in the Christian life. There's ups and downs. There's trials and tribulations. There's things that happen in our lives. Not near to the degree that I think in other places around the world, us being in here in the United States, but, but there's still, as far as the human mind's concerned, we're able to get distracted and focused on different things. But Jesus says to watch. It's been said by several evangelists and speakers that if we, if we stop giving our testimony, that it's very possible that over time it'll begin to fade. It won't be as real. If we don't regularly share our testimony, whether it's miracles or salvation, which is the biggest miracle of all, by the way, there's physical healings and there's all kinds of physical miracles that have taken place, but salvation is by far the biggest miracle of all. Do we, if we stop sharing that, it's not positive thinking, it's not pumping yourself up, it's speaking what the Lord has done for you. It's watching, it's sharing. Doubt can replace the trust that we had in our testimony over time. How about this? Obedience can be replaced by self-will. Was there a time when we were seeking the Word and looking to be more obedient, and then over time, that fades out or takes a back seat? We must tell and share our testimony. Miracles, salvation, not only for the people that we're telling it to, but for ourselves. It benefits us spiritually to share and tell what the Lord has done. If you don't, over time, doubt can replace that trust. Because the enemy will come in, and even our own minds will try to, to play tricks on us, so to speak, about what really might have happened, or what, what really the doctors said. Or, or you're not, maybe you're not, your salvation's not real. Maybe it didn't happen. Maybe it was just all in your mind. We must share and tell. We must continue to tell those testimonies so they stay real for us. So there's three points. The bride, the, the, the ten virgins went out, first of all, waiting his return. Then there was a cry at midnight that they heard and responded to. Then the bridegroom came. It's almost, it's almost like a picture of of us now in time. You know, God exists outside of time. We exist in time. But we've been hearing, you know, and we know that the return could be at any time. But are we past that point where the cry has been made? Could the rapture happen today? I believe it can. I think there's teachings that 
take our minds off of the rapture. But the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming back for those who long for His appearing. The rapture should be at the top of our priority list. Not only for ourselves, but for others. That's what drives evangelism. Is the rapture, if we believe that Jesus is coming back, and it could be today, how are we going to act? How are we going to talk? Do the things that used to excite us, excite us still? You know, are, we, are we faithful with church, our prayer life, our scripture? Again, that ebb and flow of the Christian life where things happen and, and we have good times and bad times. Are we maintaining the oil in our lamp? Is our prayer life the same? Or as probably is, as in, is intended in scripture, is it growing? Is it moving in the right direction? Are we understanding and comprehending Scripture more? Our church attendance. We can't wait to get to church. Can we truly say, as David said, can we really say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Can we, can we truly say that? We, we hear that a lot. That's a common Scripture. But do we really, you know, I can tell you, Many of you know from experience those days when you don't feel like going and you think about maybe staying in bed, whether it's a prayer service, a Wednesday night service, a Sunday morning service, those are the days usually where you may get the most out of the service and have the, the most blessings that God gives to you and you're able to, to bring an offering to Him even more than you would have if you'd have stayed home. Don't get discouraged in those situations. I thank God, and it's not anything that Ted Weaver does, but I thank God that I'm excited to go to church. It's the Holy Spirit. He excites you to go to church, excites you to share the gospel, makes you excited. If we're not excited, when I wasn't excited, something was really wrong. Something's bad wrong. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling me this and everybody, all of us here. If we're not excited... If we don't get excited to read the Scripture, to spend time in prayer, to attend a church service, something's out of whack. There's boring church services, and this may be one of them with me speaking, but it should never be boring to go to church. It doesn't matter. We don't go to church. I know we go to church to get blessed and hear a message and learn, but it's to praise the Lord, it's to give as much as it is to get. So no matter how boring a church service may be, it should never be boring to go to church, to assemble ourselves together, to go to a district rally. None of those things should ever be boring. Are we as strict about our own moral conduct as we used to be? Ouch. In this devil-possessed world that we live in now, and the things that we see and hear in the news that our children are exposed to has our moral conduct slipped at all. Things we watch or see or hear. Are we making excuses for things? that I've, I've heard it said, well, do we make excuses for things that at one time we knew would make angels weep? Because... Well, it's modern day. Well, it's the culture's changed. You know, we, we, we hear all this stuff. 
but do we let it affect us? The Bible tells us that we're living epistles known and read by all men. If we can go to the water cooler at work and talk about the the most popular Netflix series that's out that's full of filth and take part in those conversations, we need to examine ourselves. Part of the problem is we're a living sacrifice, the Bible tells us. Unlike the sacrifices in the Old Testament that were quartered up, chopped up, put completely on the altar, we're a living sacrifice. And with a living sacrifice, there's an opportunity for that sacrifice to try to crawl off the altar, to try to go back, to try to reach out for something else. We're a living sacrifice. So it's a daily, a daily commitment to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, mentally, physically, spiritually. It's been said that carelessness is the curse of today's church. I could think of many examples in my own life where, where those, the moral conduct of thoughts or, or of, of actions or of conversations that slowly over time, as the, as the life ebbs and flows, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't change our values. They should line up with Scripture. Carelessness is a curse. We can't be careless. We must be vigilant. Watch, therefore, as Jesus said. Let no one deceive you and watch. This question weighs a ton, but was there a time, was there ever a time when we said, Lord God, if you just help me with this relationship. If you would help my lost child. Oh Lord, this sickness that's in my family with this job. If you would just help me. We made a promise at some point in our life. Time doesn't make it any less of a promise than it was made at that time in desperation when we call out to the Lord for help in whatever situation it might be. Think back to those instances and and what we told the Lord, how we felt, the commitment we made at the time. Are we faithful in our attendance and our tithe? And our time, not just a tithe monetarily, but our tithe with our time every day. We, you know, we hear, we hear it say, I've heard it said that people carve out time for the Lord. Ah, ouch. We should be carving out time to go to work. We should be carving out time to spend recreationally. The time with the Lord should be a priority. With the Word, not just devotions, not just reading a reading plan and, oh, I've got to do my chore and I've got to do a thing. You know, if we've got a relationship with the Lord, we can't wait to get into His Word. Let Him speak to us through the Word, through prayer, through spending time with Him. That should be the priority. We live in the United States where people have to work and we have jobs and we have bills and we have social life and we have a culture and we have a government. We have all these things that don't mean anything in comparison to our relationship with God. 
None of it. We need to remember that. None of it means anything. When the cry was made to the, to the ten virgins, none of the other peripheral things in their lives mattered other than how much oil that they had. Our lamps are gone out, became their testimony. There is an answer. If, if like myself, you've answered yes to a lot of those questions that we've been through, there is an answer to go back. In the Old Testament, God told Jacob to go back to Bethel. Our Lord rebukes the church of Ephesus in Romans chapter 2. One of the rebukes to the churches at the time in Revelation. Revelation 2.4, I think we've got that scripture. Maybe not. But Jesus says, I have this thing against you. You have left your first love. We like to somehow use the term lost lost our first love. Revelation 2.4, Jesus tells us that we've left it. There's distractions that have came in, that have come in. Relationships, jobs, financial, a whole laundry list of things that come in that cause us and allow us to leave, to turn and go. There's a time we are more faithful in prayer if we had more appreciation for the Word. If we had a greater concern at one time for lost souls. If we were more dedicated to fellowship. If we once were hardly able to even look at a cross realizing what it meant. You know, we see them now, they're polished up and shiny and buffed out in nice wood. When there was a time when we looked at that cross and it meant horror, death, torture. And it doesn't mean that anymore. If there was a time when any of those things had more of a of a hold on our heart and our spirit, we need to go back to that time. We need to implement all of that into our life and our spirits or our lamp will go out. The Bible's a guide for our entire life. I just recently heard it said that, and we do we do care groups here at the church. But at a Bible study, a man was talking to his wife, and he said, "You know, if Jesus was here as part of the Bible study, and the group asked him, Jesus, what about such and such?" He said his answer would always be, "Well, child, you can find the answer to that in Ephesians five eight. Jesus, what about this? You can find the answer to that in Philippians 2, 7. The answers are all here for us in the Word, in the Scripture. We must continually tell that testimony. Paul prayed that we would grow 
in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we would grow in the knowledge. We should be progressing. We should be growing. That cross should mean more to us now than it did when we got saved. The Word should be even more precious to us now than it did when we got saved. If it doesn't, we need to check our oil levels. We're told in the, in the Bible that, that God will keep His mind in perfect peace for those that are stayed on Him, their mind stayed on Him. Perfect peace. We're promised that in the Bible. Continually telling a testimony when we were saved, what miracles happened and took place in our life. I had a two-year-old daughter getting a spinal tap, getting tested and checked for what could have been a, a fatal disease and illness that came back negative. Praise God. I need to tell that more often. We need to share and tell what He's done for us. Like I said, salvation, the biggest miracle of all. I looked at tear-filled, tear-filled eyes of a doctor in a waiting room <clears throat> with horrible, terrible news about this lovely mother of mine sitting up front 30 years ago talking about a lifespan of maybe months. She's here today. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's a testimony. They go on and on and on. Thank God that I had breakfast this morning. Not that I had the means to buy the breakfast, but I had the physical ability to make the breakfast. I had the digestive ability to eat and have the breakfast. We could stay here all day giving testimony after testimony after testimony of the blessings in our life. But again, first and foremost is salvation. The fact that we're here. Lord God, I could be who knows wherever right now doing who knows whatever right now. I'm in church. I came to lift your name up to give you glory. Thank you, Lord. Not, not anything I've done. The Holy Spirit. The Lord calling us. I thank God for everybody in here today. Those who aren't here, those that are out ministering. What a testimony that we're not somewhere else doing something else that doesn't matter when that cry comes at midnight. There's only one thing that's going to matter. Just this, just this morning, right before the service, <clears throat> during the service, Tim had prayed over Paul and Sue, and, and uh, I heard him, it mentioned that they renewed their vows at their 25th anniversary, which is something that's commonly done with marriages. Time to reflect on that wedding day. Renew your vows. Make those promises again. The same questions are asked. The same answers are given, but I'm sure that they mean a lot more. Paul, 25 years later, probably mean even more the experiences that the relationships go through at that point. 
whenever those marriage vow renewal ceremonies take place. I ask you this morning and myself, is, it, is, it a time, is there a time where we need to renew our vows and our commitment to our Lord? To tell Him that over time we've allowed other things to come in and interfere. Maybe we used to read a half hour a day or an hour a day. And now because of kids or jobs or schedules or whatever, it's a squeeze in of 15 minutes. Maybe we used to pray every day, and now we pray every other day. If that's the case, if we're moving in the opposite direction of when He saved us, something's wrong. No excuse. No reason. There is no reason. If we're not moving closer and closer, then we're moving away, and something's wrong. It's an important subject. It's an important parable. The fact that it was a private parable to the disciples, those closest to Jesus at the time, makes it even more relevant to the church. That he shared that, warned the disciples not to be deceived, and urged them to watch, to be vigilant. If you need to renew those vows, don't wait. Do it before you leave today. We're not promised another 10 minutes. Pastor James is going to come and close in prayer. Hallelujah. Awesome message. Awesome message. Give it up for... You know, a, a good way, a good gauge to tell how full your oil is in your lamp is inside because we know, because all of us in this room know what it feels like to be totally full of the Spirit and, and, and to be totally with that place of, of hunger to, for Scripture and hunger for prayer that, that we've all experienced it. And if you don't have that same hunger, you know where your oil level's at and only you can know. You know, there's, 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 there's outside ways to tell when someone is straying away, but internally you know yourself and you know where that is. And, and I just pray right now that, that we would examine ourselves as we're told to in the Scripture. So, so when the bridegroom does come and we do get that call, that we aren't one of the foolish. They look back and, and say, I've wasted my time. I've, I've, I've lost my focus. And I've, I've done all these things that, that I, I should have spent more time seeking seeking the kingdom rather than than going after earthly things so i just pray right now father that we would examine ourselves lord and this is not a negative thing this is a thing we are commanded to do but to examine ourselves and and test ourselves to see if we are in the faith lord as we are told to in scripture father lord i pray that that we would we would we would use the internal gauge that we have through the holy spirit inside of us lord to to see where our oil level is at, Lord, and to make sure our lamps are full. Lord, I, I, I speak right now over this congregation that everybody in this room, Lord, at the, at, at the sound of the trumpet, Lord, when, when you were to come back, that we would be excited, Lord. We wouldn't get a flush of emotion that, that sends a, a, a chill down our spine. We would be jumping for joy that the Lord is coming back because we know that our lamps are full, Father. Lord, I ask for a, for a hunger, Lord, for, for seeking you further, Lord, 
to, to dive deeper into a relationship with you, Lord. To get to that place where we knew we, where we were before that we need to get back to and then going beyond that, Lord. I speak against complacency in our walk where we think we're, we, we have, a, have it scheduled out, Lord, where everything's going great, but we would want to dive deeper, Lord, into the Word. That we would want to dive deeper into prayer. That we would ask for more of you, Lord. That we would ask for a double portion from you, Lord. And let us examine ourselves, Lord, not just today, but daily, Lord. Because the, the, the devil, Lord, is, 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 is likened to a, a lion seeking whom he can devour. And he will be conniving and he will find ways to infiltrate our lives, Lord. But I would pray that we would have a, the full armor of God on, Lord. And the only way to keep that armor on is to be obedient to you. To have the spirit of, 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 uh, inside of us, Lord. There would be a, a beacon to things that we should be drawn to or things that we should turn away from. Father, we, we love you so much, Lord. We love you so much. We are thankful that your word came forth, Lord. Thank you for using my dad as a vessel to bring that word, but thank you that your word came forth most importantly, Father. We ask that you would be with this congregation as we go throughout this week, Lord. Be with us. Let us all make a commitment, Lord, a promise that we keep, Lord, to, to dive deeper into your word this week, to dive deeper into prayer, Lord, and just draw closer to you. And let it all be done in your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. If anybody wants any prayer or anything, we'll be up here for a minute. But uh, everybody have a good week. I'm sure we'll be a lot more full next week with everybody back. I know we're all excited to have our friends and loved ones back. So everybody just have a good day. Enjoy this beautiful rainy day. We'll see you next time.